in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to The Gentleman Podcast. <laughs> I am Dr. McKivnack. I am sitting to the left of Glenn, the spectacular Stansberry. How are you doing tonight, Glenn? I'm well. I'm doing good. Good, good, yes. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am a good friend of Brian's, and uh, mm. I decided to... Brian left the recording stuff up, and uh, I, he's not here yet, so I, I just decided that I would step in wow. and, and begin the podcast for him uh, in, in his stead. Doctor, I'm trying to place your accent. Is it... You know, Eastern European, like uh, Transylvania kind Pennsylvania. of? Pennsylvania. 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 Oh, wow. A local to the United States. Oh. <laughs> okay. I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, but anyway, Glenn, uh, it's good to be here on the podcast. Mm. Um, I am a, a friend of Brian and Laura's, and I come here every Halloween to to stay for a couple weeks to really decompress from my uh, hectic job as a doctor. Um, wh- where did you say Brian was again? I feel like I think he's. He I don't. I'm not sure where he is. I just wanted to. Uh, oh. I just wanted to go ahead and because I, I know you were here. Him. Well, and uh, I wanted to start the podcast, oh. and I felt like he would want me to do that because he. Yeah. Um, I'm a, cl- a trusted friend. Oh, okay. That, well, let's just say you say this. so. I, I'm a big, big fan of Brian. Good guy. Um, so anyway, let's get on with the show, though, I say. Um, so anyway, like I was saying. Oh, hey. Uh, oh, hey, Brian. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, I, I just decided to uh, go ahead and start the the pod, the pod podcast with the. Yeah. He, uh, okay. Well. Uh, I, I'm here now, so, uh, I, you know, I, I can just, I can go then if it, if you want to, I, yeah, why don't I, um, uh, Dr. McKivnack, why don't you, uh, make yourself scarce and I'll, I'll step in here. Hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'll hang out and watch the, the show. I, I, uh, if that's okay. Uh, yes. Uh, that, that. That would be fine. Maybe from the corner. Yes. The corner if you want to just go uh, to the edge of the couch or something, yeah. that'll be that'll be that'll be all right. Um, hmm. But anyway, let me um, let me get it. Okay. Okay. Well, I let me this. I'll get out of here. Wow. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Sorry about. Uh, yeah. Doctor McKivnack. Uh, he. Yeah, I, Glenn. I'm sorry. Uh, Doctor McKivnack. He's a, g- how, a guest of mine. How do you know him? Uh, we go back uh, a long ways. Hmm. Uh, it, it, we, it's a long story, but uh, every Halloween he he comes and hangs out at my house. So. Um, yeah. There's uh, something about his eyes. I just don't. Yeah. It, he, you know, if you don't know him, mm. it's one of you know whatever. But I, you know, I'm not look. 
doctor, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's okay. It's okay, Brian. You, you. Oh gosh. That's why it's, so I didn't see him over there. I, yeah, he. Uh, you know, he's just he's he's a house guest. He's in and out all over the oh. place, and so I I don't know. He'll, he may he may you know step back in on the podcast. I'm not sure, but anyway. Um. So sorry about that. Um, no, no trouble. What did I miss? Okay. So the what we were saying was the um uh spectacular Glenn Stansberry. Yeah, we, that's, we covered that. That's me. I'm I'm feel very scary right now. <sighs> okay. Um. Yeah. So uh. Anyway, Glenn. Um. Spectacular Glenn. Uh. We are co-founders <laughs> of a spectacular site called Gentleman.com. Yes. Uh. Gentleman.com is uh. If you're looking for tricks or treats. Uh, mm. Chills and thrills, uh, chips and dips. You can, <laughs> dinks and dunks. Dinks and dunks. Mm. Uh, you can go to a little site called gentleman.com. Gentleman.com is your home for uh, all things thrilling, chilling, and um, I don't know what else. I was trying to find something else that rhymed with chilling, and I couldn't remember it. Grilling. We have grilling. Grilling. Things. Grilling. Chilling and uh, spilling. Spilling. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, you can go to gentleman.com. Thrilling. Thrilling. That's uh, what we need. That's what we need. Thrilling. Um, and if you want something even more chilling, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com where you can listen to 123 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. Uh, and I recommend that you start with episode one uh, because we have a whole story that is very intricate uh, plot-wise that you're going to want to follow along with. Mm-hmm. Um, Take notes. The good news is it shouldn't take you more than i don't know like if you stayed up all night for two weeks mm-hmm. you should probably be able to get through the entire 123 episodes yeah that seems so about if right. you and most people have a couple weeks of vacation a year yeah so you could totally take your two weeks of vacation mm-hmm. and explain your children and spouses yeah what you're, what and you're doing just lock yourself into a room and listen yeah. to me and glenn talk for um uh, for like 12 days yeah and you should get there that's like the plot for the burbs right because uh, Tom Hanks' character, he wants he doesn't want to go on vacation. He just wants yeah. to stay at home right. and do his own thing. I was going to say that or The Shining. Oh. I mean, you know, one of those two. Oh. Um, but uh, but anyway, I, I'm sure that, that that whole thing will end up better for you than Tom Hanks in The Burbs. <laughs> or, uh, you know, Jack, Nicola, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, Jack Nicholas. Um, <laughs> anyway, Glenn, go to podcast.gentleman.com where you can... Uh, follow along with some of the previous episodes uh, that we talked about. You can follow along with the links that we talked about on this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, you can see some previous beers that we've rated, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the one more thing that I have to do to take care of is to talk about uh, sending feedback to the Gentleman Podcast. And honestly, after listening to 123 episodes of us discuss things, people are going to have questions, concerns, comments. You know, that makes sense. We understand. Mm-hmm. Uh and so we have an outlet for you to get in touch with us, and that is through the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, you can send a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We will read your letter. We will talk about it. We will think about it. We will pace the room anxiously, hmm. uh, listening to the Danger Zone. And <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Yes. And then yeah, we will... That's what we do. And then we'll talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast, and we will put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. And then we'll probably send you something back in return, uh, just because uh, one good deed deserves another. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hand washes the other, and one letter to the Gentleman Mailbag gets a letter in return. Oh, what? 
<laughs> and so, anyway, the, the the main thing is that if you want to send a letter, send a letter to the PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence Kansas six six zero four four. If you can't do that, that's fine. We're cool with that. Look, we're flexible. We know it's hard to get to the post office and send a letter these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we have a twenty four hour a day hotline. Yes, that you can get in touch with. Yes, howdy at gentleman dot com. And any time of the night that you want to get a hold of us, send us an email, and we'll get right back to you. Our operators are standing by. Our operators are standing by. We're ready to receive your your emails. Your donation. Uh, just just get in touch with us. Is what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, Glenn, what are we doing? What, let's get on with the meat of the episode. Is the drink of the week this week? The drink of the week. The beer that we fear, Brian. Yeah, is none other than the Goose Fest beer by Goose Island. Okay. Yes. Pick this one up on the way here, Brian, and it looks I, okay. I, I I like Goose Island Brewery. I do too. A good deal. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Goose Island actually because they're, they're they're very reasonably priced. They're very reasonably priced. They're, are they the best brewery in the world? No, they're not. There are better breweries, but they have they're consistent. They don't. They're a lot. I, I put them in the same category as like Sam Adams. Right. Sam Adams is consistent. You know what you're getting every time. You know it's cheaper. I like I like Goose Island, and so. I, I saw that they... I was actually on the hunt for an Oktoberfest. It's still October. I know everyone's already on their, you know... Um, Christmas beers. Christmas beers. Thanksgiving beers. Yeah. St. Patty's Day beers. St. You know, Patty's. Right. Yeah. Cinco de Mayo. Right. We're still in October here, all right, people? Yeah. And so I thought I would pick up one of the last remaining Oktoberfest, and that's Goosefest beer. Now, in order to properly rate this with our patent-pending, award-winning... Uh, Artificial intelligence learning, machine learning, mustache twist scale. We have to present some facts right. about the beer. Right. Um, and so, things that the machine will need to know. It is a 5.7% alcohol by volume. It's pretty heavy. The IBUs are 23, okay. which, is, which is slightly Good. more than I thought. Yeah. You know, this is Oktoberfest, so. Right. Uh, the color is light umber. Okay. Um, and the hops are the Hollertau tradition. And the Hollertau style beer is the Oktoberfest style beer. Okay. So uh, the German lager that they serve uh, in the in the lovely steins with the beautiful beer winches. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're going to have to substitute me for beautiful beer winch. Um, I can unbutt my shirt a little bit if that helps, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> this imagery. Is I really, haven't shaved I'm in trying a while. To, uh, uh, but oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, oh, oh! And speaking of price, the price is nice. It's six ninety nine. What? I did a quick. I did a quick little little calculation on my own, Brian. And our median is eight fifty, right, for a six pack. Yeah. Six ninety nine is twenty seven percent cheaper than the median. Wow. Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. So that's if, a deal, if right this there. This isn't like pond water. It's gonna get a good mark. <laughs> I wow, mean, they're I, getting that's, it done. I'm impressed. Now I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm uh, yes. and it's an October fest. I'm, I'm excited about this. All right, okay. so let's crack this open. Six ninety nine. This, this could be a breakthrough. This could be a potential breakthrough here. I'm we, excited about this. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to put the horse before the cart here. The beer before the stein, I guess. But um, yeah, Goose Island. They have a Honkers Ale, which is delicious. Yeah, they have, I like their stuff. They have a lot of good stuff. They have a Nutcracker Ale, which is they, really they good. have some. It's not a nutcracker. No, it's something else. There's a crit. They do have like a holiday ale. It's yeah. good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Not bad. 
Oh, see? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Very sweet. It's not... Yeah. So, it's not... How do I say this? It's not the malty kind of... Right. Thing Biscuity. That, that I... Yeah. Cracker. That, I, that I'm into with mm-hmm. Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. I feel like we actually... I don't know. I feel like we actually are starting to... Uh, uh, turn into beer snobs? Turn into beer snobs. <laughs> yes. Uh, become what we hate. Mm. Uh, anyway, okay, so... Mm. Yeah. But, 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 it is good. This is not a bad Oktoberfest. No. And for the price, at six ninety nine, this is the cheapest Oktoberfest beer ever. By far. It's like if Red Dog made an Oktoberfest. Yes. It would be like this. <laughs> Yes. Or, well, it would taste much worse than this. <laughs> right. But it'd be this uh, price. It would be this price. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I was trying to think a good example of the Oktoberfest that... Uh, we, we like basically the same type of Oktoberfest. I think Sierra Nevada a year ago had an Oktoberfest that was just... Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, this, what's what's this, the... Go ahead, sorry. I say this year their Oktoberfest is not as good. They do a different one every year. Right. So not as good, but... But yeah, okay. Is it the best Oktoberfest I've tasted? No. no. Is it a very good Oktoberfest? Yep. Yeah, good enough. And it's six ninety nine. Oh man, the price is nice. Okay, gosh. Well. If you're gonna have to put a uh, arbitrary rating on this uh, beer that just doesn't matter to anyone, no. Uh, but you are going to yourself for your own enjoyment rate the beer. Mm. What? What? <laughs> what would your uh, rating be? Well, Brian, I uh, I feel I feel good about this beer. Now, for some perspective, I think the highest rated beer we've had is probably right at ninety. Yeah, it's or right 92 at ninety two or something yeah, like that. We're not. Yeah, this isn't going to come close to that. No, but I feel like it deserves an eight. I'm sorry, ninety a nine, a nine or an eight. Mm. I feel like this is. I think I think because of the price, this mm. deserves it. I'm going to give it an eight point one. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. I you know I was gonna go with an eight point six because mm. I feel like that price is so good. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you wanted to have a party, yes, and you wanted to go get like some Oktoberfest for mm-hmm. your party, mm-hmm. and you you said, look, I got you know thirty six uh, Oktoberfest beers, mm-hmm. you know, and they were only six ninety nine yep. per. Yep, that's a great deal. It's a it's great, a great deal. deal. Um, so anyway, I was going to go eight, eight six. You went eight one. Um, and I will say I went eight one because I, I it's still an Oktoberfest. Yeah, and I have high standards for Oktoberfest. No, I get it. I get so, it. I understand. I understand. What but that's why there's from. two ratings here. I exactly. And it's totally and arbitrary I, anyway. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter because the MTS computer hasn't mm-hmm. weighed in on this. Our infallible empirical scientific machine learning yes. algorithm based computer will obviously tell us the real rating. Mm. On this particular beer, um, which I'm really looking forward to, because yes. we have a, quite a disparity in our, our ratings. We do, uh, so that that'll be good. Uh, okay, Glenn. So why don't you run me down the specifics about this beer, and I will type it in the NTS computer, and then we will get a printout, and we will know what the official empirical scale rating right, for this beer is. Let me get my Trapper Keeper with notes in it. Um, okay. okay, it's a Marzen beer style. Yep. Okay. With the rock dots over the A. Got the, the umlauts. No, yeah, the umlauts. Okay, yeah, again. Uh, alcohol, alcohol by volume, 5.7%. Five, okay, 5.7%. Yes, okay. 23 IBUs. Uh, okay, yeah. It's it, a light got umber. Got light ale. umber. Light, 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 light
The traditional Hollertau hops. The Hollertau found okay. in the Marzen style. So let me select this from the drop down menu. Uh, the Hollertau. Yeah, okay. I got it. Okay, yep. Um, right. And then the price he said was six ninety nine. And it wasn't on sale. Like there's the no, there's no sale here. It wasn't okay. brewery of the month or anything okay. like that. Okay. So okay. well just give it a second and the NTS computer will spit out a truly empirical uh, scientific score for this uh, October Fest beer, the Fest beer from uh, Goose Island. Okay. Well, uh, Glenn. Okay. So it sounds like the uh, printoff is done with the uh, MTS computer. I will go um, retrieve this. Uh, excuse me, Doctor McKibben. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So uh, let me stop the printer here. Back. Brian, I I like how we rate things. I yeah. feel like other. Other services do a disservice to everyone else by how they rate. That could be their beer. Yeah, I. That could be. We have a, a machine that just tells us like the actual right. score of what it is. Right. Just one true score to. Right. And rule other, them all basically. Other services rely on crowdsourced, you know, opinions. Right. And things like the look of the beer. I don't care right. how it looks. I don't, yeah, it just it's all really about it. How the it smell. Me. Yeah, the smell Ryan, what does it smell like? It smells like beer. I don't know. Yeah. It smells like right. water the with The computer doesn't know how it smells. The feel. Yeah. The feel of the beer. feels good, Brian. Yeah. I think it feels fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I'm just trying to flip through this page. You're leaving this a lot, uh, though. Oh, it's because it's we have we had to get all the German, um, you know. History. Yeah. The, the, the history the, of Oktoberfest. Right, the, the facts you know, and the codes. The, the empirical. Country codes. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so zones. anyway, the point is okay. I flipped the back of the report. Um, I'm going to read this, and Glenn will read it later too. Uh, all 100 and pour over it. Uh, 80 pages yeah. of this. It's like uh, a legal report. doc. Uh, but the point is, uh, just to summarize for you guys, uh, the the actual empirical uh, scale, <laughs> the actual empirical score uh, <laughs> for the, the 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 Goose Island uh, Fest beer is actually 88.35. Wow! So that is a good score. Yeah, eight point three five, um, which is pretty good. It's pretty good, and uh, you know, for six ninety nine, I would say that's you know that's probably best buy. Stock that, your bri- fridge with uh, that might make the score for you know um, that might make a list of like top ten best buys on the uh, gentleman uh, list. We've done enough of them now. Yeah, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig into this. We're gonna have to get in some analytics about this. But anyway, the point is. Uh, yeah, a pretty a pretty darn good Oktoberfest and uh, at a low price. So, okay, Brian, I I went over to uh, just you know just to make sure that we're not totally crazy. A little sanity check, right? Went over to beersnob.com, dot mm-hmm. and uh, they have changed their rating score probably to try to differentiate from us. Right, we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. It'll happen again. But uh, the uh, you know, reviewers at um, Beer Snob, almost a thousand ratings mm. and 265 reviews mm. have given this beer a, a 7.34. A full point. A full point lower than us, Brian. Well, here's the deal. If you're not a snob, nope. then you can count on this. Yep. This is a solid Oktoberfest beer. It is. So, you know what the thing is? This is a lower priced beer, so of yep. course the snobs are going to be like, "Oh, this isn't good enough." Oh, it's owned by Imbev. It's oh. good enough. It's good enough. Yep, it'll get the job done. Yeah, it does. 
there are some, well, and I'm anyway. liking it. Uh, okay, I'm a pretzel right now with some cheese. <laughs> yes, and some That'd suspenders, uh, and some later hosen. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn. Well, let's you move kiss on. Your mother with that mouth. Some, <laughs> let's move on to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so, Glenn. Okay, uh, and this week batting leadoff is our legendary good friend mm. Razorback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a while because I was thinking of I, I, my mind was just flashing back over all the legendary moments that Razorback has. <laughs> it was like a, a flashback yeah. of Razorback. It's just like you know this yeah. magical you know Michael Bay moment in my head yeah. of, of all the the stuff that this guy's done, which is legendary. Camera spinning around. Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. I'm grabbing yeah. things. <laughs> You know, in the air, moving him around, uh, all the things that Razorback's not on the site. Anyway, this is one such thing. This is called An Animated Guide to Nature's Best Wayfinding Secrets. And this is a post all about Tristan Gooley. Gooley is an expert in natural navigation, which is a series of methods um, and actually a series of books. Uh, <laughs> such as How to Read Water, The Lost Art of Reading Nature's Signs, and The Natural Navigator. And the point of all these stu- these books and theories and all this stuff is um, kind of getting back to the way that people used to find their way before we had GPS and all our phones uh, and all that stuff, just in case you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't have GPS or your phone's dead or you're out in the middle of the wilderness and you need to find a way... Uh, to navigate yourself without a compass, and he picks out some. So in this article, he, they say they, they pick, they sit down with Tristan, and they say like, "What are what are a few really good tips you can give to people to find their way um, without a compass?" And uh, in addition to that, they have some beautiful illustrations that they've they share with this article, and this is on I should mention Atlas Obscura, and we're going to link up to this on podcast.gentleman.com. Uh, but the illustrations are a pretty awesome they're beautiful part of this they're very well done and really cool they're animations they move yeah they're they're yeah they're really cool so go to podcast.gentleman.com and i'm going to link this up and you should check them out but let's talk about the the actual tips that tristan's giving about these things uh and they're really interesting i've never heard these you know uh when i when i think of trying to find my way north or whatever the first thing i think of is the north star mm-hmm. uh, but i don't really know how to find that in mm-hmm. the sky necessarily and we're going to talk about that in a second but um, one of the things that's interesting is he said that you can actually use a crescent moon to find south. And that means, like, uh, mostly when the moon is at the highest point, so, like, straight up, if you look um, if you look at where the crescent, the two crescent points uh, draw a perpendicular line down the two crescent points mm-hmm. and uh, find that in your horizon, that's most likely very close to south. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explains why that is and everything like that. I'm just going to trust him that that <laughs> is the case. But but so that's a, like at night. That's a really good way to find uh, your way south. Um, and uh, another tip he shares is really interesting: is paying attention to birds that are perched around the area to find which way the wind is is coming from. Mm-hmm. And he says that birds will if they're if they're perched in an area, they're going to set towards the way that the wind is blowing mm-hmm. um, in order to be able to take off quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll give you a good clue as to like what the weather is going to be doing. Um, basically, if, if, if the birds are all one way, then that means the wind's coming out of that direction. If the birds are 
like facing each other or a bunch of like conversing right. converging uh, directions, uh, then that means the, the the winds are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of different uh, interesting scenarios with that whole thing. And, and if um, there's like a lot of birds perched on right. power lines around your house, right? Um, they look, like they look like they're waiting for you to leave, right? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's an indicator of lock you know, yourself in your house right. and stay inside. I saw a movie about don't this go once. Anywhere is it? Is it called Birds? It's called Birds. Birds yeah, by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, trees grow in a checkmark shape, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he talks about how yeah. uh, trees will kind of fill out towards the south and uh, you know grow straight up towards the north. Uh, so if you look at trees, you can kind of read hmm. which way is south and north. Uh, and my backyard is a very good example of that because I have a tree that fell over because it grows south. It grew so far <laughs> in that checkmark pattern. And uh, the final one I want to talk about that's really interesting is you can use Cassiopeia to find the North Star. And Cassiopeia is so if you want if you if you're ever looking up at the sky and you want to know where the North Star is, which is a good indication of North. Um, Cassiopeia is a selection of stars that should be as bright as the North Star, and they're shaped like a W. And if you find Cassiopeia, it actually the the very topmost star of mm-hmm. Cassiopeia mm-hmm. kind of points in a direction towards the North Star. So if you can kind of like if you think you see North Star, you, and you can find Cassiopeia, you can definitely verify where the North Star is. So I think that's really pretty cool because I've always like wondered about the North Star because they say that. Although it's very bright, there are a lot of, a lot of other competing stars that are just as bright. So it's right. hard to find sometimes in the sky. So anyway. Brian, there was there was one tip that Tristan gave that we kind of scratched our heads at. Um, and th- th- it's basically this. If you're on a path and you see it turn, there's like, you can either go right or left, right? Right. Um, and you don't know which way to go. Right. Tristan says to go on the path that has been used most right uh, seems kind of kind of common sense which yeah seemed just ridiculously too common sense to even discuss right but other than that but that's, yeah but that's everything else was very interesting <laughs> that one glaring uh fact was kind of an oddball but the rest of it was really cool uh good stuff to check out so check out podcast.gentleman.com and we will have that available uh for you to go read and navigate on your own, at your own leisure. At your own leisure. Uh, next up, uh, Glenn, I was going to tell you about this post that I added to Gentleman.com, and it's called Shuttered Churches Are Being Resurrected as Breweries. I thought this was really interesting. It's an article from Popular Mechanics all about how churches... The, so they're, like, what happens to a church when it shuts its doors? They, they try to sell it to somebody, mm-hmm. and... What has happened is that a lot of these churches, not a lot of them, actually only 11 in the past, <laughs> they say this somewhere, it's like only 11 in the past five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But 11 of these churches mm-hmm. uh, have been sold to breweries where they find that this is a great venue to start a brewery, um, much like anything is. Like anything is basically a great mm-hmm. venue these days to start right. a brewery. A shed. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a shed. Uh, downtown business, mm-hmm. uh, a mall is mm-hmm. a great place to start a brewery. Uh, but the, uh, so anyway, uh, this uh, <laughs> since 2011, <laughs> ten have. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> point is, uh, Glenn. Uh, the uh, so anyway, th- there 
So what happens is this is this is a pattern that keeps getting repeated is that church shutters because of whatever uh, sells to a brewery and then the church congregations that are surrounding the area get a little bit upset about it because uh, they don't want to see a brewery go into their their sacred church except for the Catholics right they're which, cool which are cool with they're it they're cool with it yeah I'm a Catholic so yep. I can say that yep. we're definitely cool with this Your like, this is all yep. you know all on the up and up <laughs> as far as we're concerned uh, we're just cutting out the middleman. <laughs> yeah well, you know we're, we're all good with this alcohol yep. is fine with this um, but so it, the thing is uh, so mm. these uh, breweries actually in some areas they've they've made good with you know some sometimes there's initial objections with the the local, you know, religious authorities, and um, they they make they, they go and talk to them. They talk to them about what they're doing. They're not they're not doing a um, you know a bar. They're not selling liquor. They're just selling beers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're brewing beer, mm-hmm. which has been done uh, by monks. It's been done by sure. you know forever. Who's it's, to it's, say? Yeah, who's to say? Um, but so sometimes people get pissed, like yeah. you know some of these. Yeah, but. Uh, for the most part, uh, there, there's some understanding that gets to uh, that they both get to with this whole thing. Um, I will say that um, I think this is a great use for shuttered churches. Well, there, you know, churches have such a unique building style as it is anyway. Exactly, and that one of the things that this article talks about is that it's a lot of times they can't find somebody to buy them because what do you do with them? Right. So, uh, right. a lot of times they end up no buyer and they just end up deteriorating and falling apart. Basically. Right, which is worse. Yeah, and uh, you know they're beautiful, like they have stained glass. Like the church in question here has stained glass mm-hmm. and high vaulted ceilings. And yep. I will say, you know, um, looking, I don't know. I think what people may have taken umbrage with is probably the 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 slogan um, on the eighth day, man created beer. You know, for these, you know, things like that. I think that probably for the yeah, that's a little off sides. Yeah, you know, I could yeah. see why that might be a little a little uh, you know a little dig. But the thing is, is that. I, I I don't know. I will say that when I was living in Australia, I went to a nightclub that was in a former church. Did you go to a rave? What a- it was... No, it was like an actual... It was a club that had opened up in a former church, and it was the weirdest... <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain how it felt to be in this church at one in the morning, drinking heavily, and the dance music and, like, Listen fog machine Dog. was going off, and there were, like, you know, people dancing, and yeah, yeah. it was just... People getting down. It was the weirdest... Um, it's it a did, disco, right? This is in Australia, so it's probably disco, right? I it just... I think that a brewery is a very tasteful kind of thing to do in a church. You know what I mean? Because that's what I'm trying to get at. Is that, you know, they're, they're having a like late night dance club in a church, just, it doesn't, there's something that doesn't compete about it. But, okay, but beyond that, so I have some personal experience with this, which is why this really spoke to yeah, me. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But beyond that, I want to talk to you about the, the final point about this that I want to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a couple things from this article. Okay. Cincinnati's Taft's Ale House kicked off its grand opening with the 167-year-old St. Paul's Evangel- Evangelical Protestant Church. 
with a blessing of the beers. A television mm. report at the time shows Reverend John Kroger, a Catholic priest, <laughs> giving the blessing. And he says, and you quote, God of all creation, you gift us with friends and food and drink. Bless these kegs. And every keg that will be brewed here, bless all those freshened here and all those gathered in the days and months and years to come. Powerful. How Ooh. beautiful is that? Freshened? What it's a just, great... Oh. Yeah. That really I just... I gotta open another one here. I, you know, how, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Any, any religion that says that's not something, something to rally around, I, I don't know. I don't know. You got a question. Well, seriously, though. I mean, I, all, in all honesty, like, that, that's a... I don't know. You put it in terms of like people are coming together, mm-hmm. people are hanging out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the show Cheers, Brian. I know. Sometimes you just got to go where everybody knows your name. That's right. Anyway, Glenn. Okay, we've we've harped on this too long. Tell us about the next tack. The next tack, Brian, is posted by none other than uh, gentleman member White Cheddar. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. Wait, that's me, um, Glenn. I, yeah. I posted this. And it's titled, The Pumpkin Prank Perpetrator Puzzle Persists 20 Years Later, from the news.cornell.edu website. Mm. Now, this is Cornell's newspaper. Very reputable source. Yes. The Cornell Chronicle, of course. And this is something that, it's an event that happened 20 years ago Mm -hmm. that I didn't know happened when it happened. But it made national news. Right. And what it was is... Uh, on October 8th, 1997, some Cornell students and faculty uh, were strolling by one of uh, the university's towers called McGraw Tower. And it's a large tower. If you look at the picture of it, uh, it comes to a point. And they noticed that at the top of this spire, 173 feet up in the air, was a pumpkin. And they thought, huh, that's odd. A pumpkin. Wait, is that a pumpkin? Yes, that's a pumpkin. And so it's spread through campus. There's a pumpkin on top of here. Well, how did it get up there? Nobody knew. It's very perplexing when you see the picture of it. It it, it looks impossible. And this is, mind you, pre-drone days. Right. Pre-anything. Right. Pre-social media. You know, all right. this stuff. 1997. So they couldn't figure it out. Well, pretty soon, the New York Times picks up the piece. They did a little investigatory journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the pumpkin, and then basically all this media coverage started covering the pumpkin. This people, pumpkin, they, yeah. just how and they they like interviewed people and students, like trying mm-hmm. to get to the bottom of it. Couldn't. Yeah. But the coolest part about the story, Brian, is that um, the university embraced it, mm-hmm. and so then they had contests. They had a, uh, they had contests to figure out who could I, who could verify whether or not the pumpkin was real or not. Um, they had they you know the the Glee chorus and the Glee club uh, rewrote their song to include pumpkin things in it. It was just a big deal. It was a huge deal, yeah. still a huge deal. Right. Anyway, twenty years later, they still don't know who the perpetrator was, the puzzle yeah. perpetrator. Yeah, the pumpkin spire prank. There it is. Yes, right. So, right. Interesting story. Uh, they still have the pumpkin on display. Oh, uh, maybe they don't. Maybe that picture's from 1998. Anyway. Yeah. So, I thought the most interesting part of this was uh, when they held the contest to figure out <laughs> if the pumpkin was real. They actually, some of their own students won the contest, and they created this balloon that flew up and took a sample 
right. of the <laughs> pumpkin. And then based on that sample, we're able to determine that it was, in fact, a real pumpkin. Right. Uh, it had a hardened exterior because it naturally dried out in the sun. Right. Uh, which, you know, basically meant that it was it was, it was was staying put for a while. Right. And so they were confident in that. And then ultimately they decided to send a crane up there to go, I think, to, like take a closer look at it or something. But through some kind of weird uh, <laughs> malfunction or something, they actually ran the crane into the pumpkin and knocked it off the spire. And it fell down onto a scaffolding, and that's when they collected it. And, a hush fell over the crowd. And, yeah, and so, but it had been frozen. Human error. It had fro- it had been frozen from the frost the night before, so it was stayed intact. But human error, uh, of course, intercedes, and uh, there's no more pumpkin on the spire. But this is really interesting because when you see the picture, which you can see on podcast.gentleman.com, yes, um, it's 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 hard to even comprehend how somebody could have possibly gotten a pumpkin up to the top of this thing. I'm not really sure. My theory, my only theory I could think of was two ropes. That yeah, that's what I was going with, and dragging it up to the top. And then centering it and getting it up there and then somehow releasing the ropes was the only thing I could think of. Well, Brian, I, I thought in honor of the 20-year anniversary of this, this mm. event, yeah. um, is it okay if I sing the, the chorus that yeah. they rewrote? Of course. Right, yeah. <clears throat> Far above Cayuga's waters with its waves of blue. Stands a noble orange pumpkin, glorious to view. Wow, that's I. Oh my gosh! How You're welcome. You? Yeah, oh, I, that's beautiful. I worked on it a little while. Oh yeah. Wow, that's a moving rendition of that. Time Thank you. Classic. Thank you, Brian. That was very. I. I. I what a treat. What a treat that was. So the only way I, the only reason I know that is because KU's um, alma mater is based off the Cornell. It's ripped off from Cornell. Based loosely, loosely based. Okay. Exactly. It's stolen from Cornell. Off okay. of the Cornell. Interesting. Okay, well. Um, yeah, okay. So that's good to know. Um, mm-hmm. well anyway, Glenn, this is a this is an intriguing story. If you have information and tips on who set this pumpkin on top of the spire at Cornell University in nineteen ninety eight, then please go to podcast.gentleman.com. Read the story and then email us and tell us who did it. Mail us a letter. Mail us a letter. <laughs> P.O. Box four four two three zero five. The the tip line. <laughs> P.O. Box four four two three zero five. Day or night. Day or night. Yeah, any night. Yeah, just let us know. Well, we we will get on the case immediately if you let us know who did this. Mm. Um, inquiring minds want to know. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, toast for this episode, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Look, we, we, we normally get in this thing where somebody's passed away and we want to do a toast to them because it's so obvious that we have to toast these people. Mm. But uh, fortunately, this week, no one passed away. Yes. Uh, well, th- toastworthy. Well, that sounds bad. Lots of people passed away, Ryan. But just nobody we knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I was going with this. Uh, anyway, Glenn, uh, I know I know people pass away. But, uh, I'm sorry I was, I was being away. facetious. Uh, but the point is that... Uh, there was somebody that I wanted to toast that didn't pass away this week. Passed away a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I, look, I, I, the master of suspense. It's it's almost Halloween time. The master of suspense. Yes, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock 
Uh, actually, I think he's been knighted. Sir Alfred Hitchcock, maybe. Post... Post hospitalization. How do you say that word? Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. But he should have been. He should have been. Post hospitalization. Alfred Hitchcock is a legendary filmmaker and one of my favorites, if not my favorite, filmmakers of all time. I I'm a big film guy. If you if you know me, like I'm I'm always watching movies. I'm really into the whole thing. And Alfred Hitchcock, as as lauded as he is for his efforts, he definitely deserves them because he's influenced so many directors oh, that we man. see now, and influenced you know visual cinema strategy so much and how we how we interpret uh, visual images and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so he, he suspense in suspense general, in right? general and kind of building things and like you know plot arcs and like you know everything that he's done has been really uh, influential on a lot of things we wouldn't have a lot of the scary movies that we have uh now without uh, a nod to mr alfred hitchcock saw so, saw three saw, saw four three. yeah exactly saw five. all of them? all the classics <laughs> you know i mean all the ones that you guys all love uh but you know there's some terrible horror movies out there yes but uh but as a whole like you know if you see a horror movie out there that you really like it's probably very influenced by something that alfred hitchcock's done or just suspense in general not not necessarily yeah. a horror movie but also you know just general movies where there's they're building you know some kind of plot twist or something like that you see that the techniques over and over and over again mm-hmm. uh and they're really very effective and they're all stuff that uh he legendarily came up with so uh, I'm a big fan of Alfred Hitchcock's work. I love all of his movies. I love going back and watching them over and over again because you always see something a little bit different. I'd say that probably one of my favorite movies is Vertigo. Um, Vertigo is a fantastic movie. I think that, that uh, that's just such an interesting movie to me because of, of all the different uh, emotions that he evokes in that uh, in that movie and the uh, the backdrop of San Francisco yeah. and that whole thing. Jimmy yep. Stewart's performance. Uh, Cam Novak's Girl. awesome in it. Uh, just a you know he gets a hell of a performance out of everybody in that movie so that's that's definitely one of my favorites what would be your my favorite go to Hitchcock movie you know it's not my go to I actually we were making fun of it earlier I really actually like the movie Birds Um, I know it's not his most you know lauded one people make fun of it I actually like Birds yeah Um, it's not my favorite though my favorite I do like Vertigo I like uh, North by Northwest Mm -hmm. um Uh, what am I forgetting? But the nice thing about Hitchcock movies is that you can flip on just about any of them, and they're mm-hmm. all going to be good. Yeah. If you're into like an old suspenseful movie, yeah. Man, how many did he do with Cary Grant and uh, what's her name? Is it not Kim Novak? Uh, mm. I don't know who starred in North by Northwest. Uh, uh, I think I want to say they did a few movies together. I could be mixing her mm-hmm. up with somebody else, but anyway. What what uh? I'm trying to think of other. Hit, I'm blanking now on. There's one flow of the cuckoo's nest. That's not nope. That's not Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Psycho. Psycho. Psycho's great. great. Yeah. Um, uh, the yeah. I actually watched a 1980s movie from Hitchcock, which was actually pretty good. What was it? I can't remember the title of it. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was in it was like one of his last movies. He still had it. I mean, I don't know how old he was, but he he, he would have been really up there, you know. Yeah. But he still got it done. It was you know pretty impressive. Um, 
You know what? I just remember the name of that movie, and it was Family Plot. You know, so, oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. So right. that was, yeah. and so I, I know you haven't seen it. Pillar of the it 80s. Was, yeah, it was, cinematography. It was like early 80s. It was yeah. crazy, but mm-hmm. um, um <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. He 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 had a long career. The Psycho thing, like I, there's a, there's a movie called Hitchcock, I believe, which is all about the making of Psycho, yep. and how he was like he basically risked everything to to make Psycho because. The studio didn't believe in it. They didn't want to do it the way that he wanted to do it. He was he started risking his own money to make that movie, and he was basically at the end of his rope. Uh, but he was he just felt like that you know he just felt like that was what needed to be made, and so he he went out there and did it. And you know things like that hardcore mm-hmm. murder kind of thing mm-hmm. never like mm-hmm. that's that never happened before he did it. You know like that was like totally crazy at the time. Isn't there some story about the scream scene, like when she's in the bathtub? Like, yeah, he actually freaked her out. Isn't that? I, I there's, there's a some... whole thing about that, about how many takes they had to take and how they had to have somebody else stand in and do like you know. And she was nude, and it was like this whole thing right. around that whole deal, which really makes the scene. I feel well, <laughs> really, you know, I mean, really pulls it together. It was, yeah, I don't, I don't know about the whole scene, but yeah, there's a that's like the signature scene in the entire movie, and. um you know the, the the painstaking craft that he put into getting that. I mean, he 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 really like knew exactly the things that he wanted to show and what he didn't want to show and what he doing, you know, all this stuff. And it was just like he had his vision and he mm-hmm. got it done. And that's the only way that that movie would have worked at the time because otherwise it would have been, you know, I mean, he was doing some really provocative things at that yeah. point in time, and uh, it would have been a would have been a terrible catastrophe if he wouldn't have had a masterful way to. Of doing it so, so anyway I, I just you know we haven't talked about Alfred Hitchcock it's Halloween I wanted to, to tip a cap to the master of suspense and raise a glass to him so cheers Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, Mr. Hitchcock. or Sir <coughs> Alfred Hitchcock I'm not sure what you should be knighted you should be knighted you're knighted in my book mm-hmm. okay Glenn that means it's time for the um, uh, hot topic. topic and this week um so there was a story that that came out that I've been kind of like I've been thinking about a lot in my own thoughts and it really like reading it kind of crystallized how I was feeling about um social media in general. So I wanted to talk about this. Um and this this was an article on Medium, which is a social media platform <laughs> made made by uh, but but it Twitter. was it was <laughs> One of the well, it was made by one of the co- like the founders of Twitter that's left Twitter, but right. Uh, this was written by Mike Montiero. Montiero. Sure. Montiero. I, I, I don't know. I don't Montiero. know how to say his name, and I, I feel bad for that because this is really good. Sorry, Mike. Uh, this is a really good post, but um, so he wrote this entire thing um, about Twitter, and and I, I've, I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff myself. Um, Basically, my own thoughts on Twitter are that I joined Twitter in 2007, um, and it was really fun. It was something different, and I immediately got it. I mean, this like I opened up my phone, mm-hmm. uh, opened up Twitter, and I could see what all my mm-hmm. my friends or like loose loose friends were doing, mm-hmm. or what they were talking about, or what they were reading about. And it was a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I actually like learned st- stuff from it. I got a lot out of it. I, you know, uh, 
it, it was it was like a resource almost. Mm-hmm. It was very entertaining. It was very useful. It was very awesome. Um, and then like probably around like 2012 or something yeah. like that. Um, There's a new social network in town, Brian. Gentlemen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, around 2012 or something like that. Um, I remember I posted something about uh, really enjoying my Chick-fil-A meal. I just had or something like that mm-hmm. something innocuous like I talked about how I enjoyed my Chick-fil-A like something about Chick-fil-A mm. and tasty. this dude ad replies me on Twitter and he just berates me about how Chick-fil-A is an awful company and all this stuff and you're a jerk for you know eating their food and like all these things and I was just like what the heck like I don't know who you are like what the hell is going on here have you had the chicken and, uh, it's delightful. So I had a little bit of a back and forth with this dude. And, um, you know, and so a couple more experiences like that. And I basically just stopped posting stuff on Twitter because I was just like, you know, can't be being harassed every time I post anything about anything I care about. So anyway, I stopped using it. But uh, this, so this this guy's article is all about uh, a, a very similar experience where he's he's been very close to Twitter from uh, around you know 2006 he, he knows one of the founders of Twitter and so he was very uh, you know involved from the beginning of the whole thing this is all about how a social network can go from good to bad uh, in about a decade basically mm-hmm. um, and it's a really intriguing story I think for a lot of different reasons but um he basically talks about how he, you know, started using it, and he and he met friends, and he he knew people that got married from meeting on Twitter, and had kids then, and you know, all these you know powerful things that happened and positive things that happened from Twitter in the late two thousands, um, and that culminated in uh, for him, like I, you know, no matter which side of the politics you're on, right. for him that culminated in President Obama's election in 2008 that the you know folks behind twitter were watching that and felt like uh you know that platform kind of provided an early look into uh you know electing a president that uh, that 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 closely aligned with those people's ideals those right. you know uh the people that founded twitter or whatever and he he kind of ends that part of the article by saying like well actually you know, the president that really got elected was eight years later right. from Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's an interesting story about, uh, you know, what happens when you create a platform where uh, all of a sudden, you know, President Trump is, is, is sending out warnings to North Korea via your platform that you just created. You know right. what I mean? Uh, so I, I found it really intriguing. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, Twitter, I really enjoyed it. At, at the very beginning of what it was and then he talks about how uh, with venture capital and the need to like manifest destiny grow your company so hard right that nothing else matters uh, that uh, you kind of lose sight of why you built something or what you wanted to do with it in the beginning so it was a great read I <clears throat> it was really interesting too he, he, he wrote it um, he wrote it well but yeah. the thing that I thought about when I was reading this is that my tipping point for Twitter. So I don't ever use Twitter mm-hmm. except 
to post things from gentlemen to right. gentlemen account, right? Which a lot of people use and like, which is mm-hmm. great. I'm happy to do that, right? But I don't ever really get on it much uh, right. for my own personal account or anything like that, right. and I haven't for years, right? Um, basically, about since we started gentlemen, right? <laughs> um, but I think the big tipping point was once Twitter became a platform for for marketers, right? To really like use as a marketing tool yeah that's when it all went downhill yeah and um you know i think but the the thing was it was a double-edged sword because when when marketers took off with it it grew the company a lot like it grew the service a lot yeah but at the same time when you're growing that when you're not when you're creating these um I don't know what's the word. Not unreal, but just fake, basically fake <laughs> uh, in, engagements and interactions. Right. It just kind of impl- eventually for me being a just hollow kind of, service. Yeah. It, it kind of sorely banks it. Yeah. Bankrupts it. The whole thing. And then when they had the IPO in 2013, they had to start making money from which mm-hmm. I get, you know, like right. you got servers, you got employees, you got to make money. Well, this guy, this guy says that like around 2011, 2012, they plateaued and that's like death knell. In Silicon right. Valley, like, right? If you plateau, you're busted, you know. And uh, he was basically saying that, you know, the more kind of like hateful kind of stuff that was being put out there, the more publicity they got, the more users they got, and so they kind of like turned a blind eye to it right. because they had investors to worry about and yep. all those things. Um, I just think it's a really interesting case study in in kind of that that need to grow. Um, you know, Laura was asking me today, I was talking to her about this and she was saying like, well, but once you get to that level, you have to like, you have to, you have to keep growing. You you can't like not grow or whatever. And it's like, well, but that's impossible. No, but I mean like, that's a choice. Like you can cho- choose to say, we're good. You know, right. we're good. It's all right. Uh, but what I found really interesting is what I was thinking about this um, was the fact that, and this is probably going to be you know, maybe it's like oversimplifying things, but I was thinking about it from a building things feature wise kind of deal was like, so what I loved about Twitter was all my buddies were on there and Mm -hmm. I could like see what they're talking about. And when I I moved to Lawrence, there are new friends that I made Mm -hmm. because there are people in Lawrence that were friends with the people I worked with that became friends of mine because Mm -hmm. they were friends with them on Twitter. And then I like conversed with them and I like met them in real life and it was Mm -hmm. really cool. And it was really useful and fun for that. And you, you don't have that anymore. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. But I was thinking about what killed that. And that was, like, three things. It was back in the day when one of your friends at replied somebody, you actually got it in your feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, you know, you got to see who your friends were from doing that. and so Or see who your friends' friends were. And right. So you got to see, like, oh, their interactions are happening with other people. And then you got to see maybe you had somebody that was a friend of a friend that, you know, you could interact with. And that was really fun. And then also the two things that really are huge are was searching tweets and uh, being able to set up alerts for tweets. Mm-hmm. So if you think about those two features, um, that enables some cool stuff. But at the same time, uh, when going back to my example of the, the person that was trolling me about the Chick-fil-A stuff, right. <laughs> he set up an alert... <laughs> For anyone that said anything about Chick Fil A, and as soon as somebody said something, went and pooped he on them, went and attacked them. Yeah, and uh, and so when you think about that, it's like 
when you're building these features out and you think they're going to be useful, like if you think about how they're going to be used, or maybe they're starting to be used in a bad way, maybe you just pull the feature and you say, you know, because I, I honestly, like if, if they pulled those features, if they made it, they got rid of search and they got rid of notifications about search. I, I would probably still be using Twitter because of, I, I don't think the trolls would be able to really find anything. I mean, they would have to be following me to see what I said, you know, and you can make the argument that I could make my account private, but I feel like that's kind of aside the point. Like I should be able to like, you know, say stuff and have people find me, but not necessarily through a search for Chick-fil-A. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't know. We'll be releasing private accounts on General Exchange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, yeah, and I will say that I, you know, uh, Donald Trump did definitely use gentlemen to right. get elected as president. Right. So, um, you know, yeah, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Uh, we really have to. Uh, we definitely have to take responsibility for that. That yep. there were two big social networks that were involved in this, yep. and one of them was gentlemen, right. and the other one was Twitter. Right. Uh, most people talk about Twitter, but that's fine. But yeah, that's fine. It, it's you know, uh, it, so, you know, they have to focus on you know, small titles, all this stuff. Right. They have to focus on one social network, and you know, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, gentlemen, was we heavy. were we were huge. We were huge. We were huge. We were, we were bigly involved with that whole thing. And, huge. And uh, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. Everybody talks about Twitter. Whatever. Uh, so anyway, what uh, what do you think, Glenn? Do you, what, what needs to happen with Twitter going forward? They're, they're a public company. They're a big company. You're right. I should invest and then have a vote, right? I, the I, stockholders I, I actually invested in Twitter a long time ago, and I lost my Shirts. bacon on it. <laughs> your bacon. It was one of the worst investment Can decisions. Can you get your bacon back? It was the worst investment decision I've well, ever made. Well, it opened huge. Like, uh, anyway, it was terrible Twitter idea. Is Twitter, I don't know. I mean, do they just need to burn the thing from the ground? I mean, the thing is, is that it's too big. It's people st- yeah. it's still, Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you know, politics aside, the President of the United States uses it to, like, make policy yeah. announcements. Yeah. Um, people, just, it is useful for people, like, discovering news and for... Mm-hmm. Real-time kind of stuff. Yeah, but at the same time... I just want to go back to the way it was in 2008 when it was, like... I mean, for me, that was, like, the pinnacle where no one outside of the tech world was really using it yet. Yeah. And so it was fun. It was mm-hmm. really... I don't know. It's like It's, like, the people that were into tech that were using it and everybody else thought it was really lame because it was called Twitter and you were tweeting. Right. And it's hard to remember, but there was a time when that was a like a term that you got made fun of for using. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so. I, I just think I just think the, the the worst thing Twitter ever did was it compromised its initial um, the things the limitations that it had or what made it special. So the 140 yeah. characters, right? Well, now you can do whatever you want, yeah. and you can post images, right. and you can have you can write a book yeah. on Twitter, and yeah. I, and so it's not Twitter anymore to me. Right. It's just it's not. It's a right. completely different. It's trying thing. to become like a. It's trying to be thing. everything, and, and yeah. doing so, it's become nothing. Um, right. So I just, I feel that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's they they would basically have to go back to square one for me to come back and use. I think it. I think that they're Maybe. beyond saving at this point. I think the ship sailed. It's it's going down, and and you know, I'll always remember it from yeah. 2007 to 2010, and then everything else after that. We barely knew you, Twitter. We should be toasting it. It's gone. It's a long gun sailed ship. I think, you know, <laughs> it's all about gentlemen. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I would say, like, if you're a dissatisfied Twitter user, mm-hmm. go to gentlemen yep. and sign up for an account. Yep. 
problem solved. That's what I would do. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. That's what we did, actually. Yeah, exactly. We were just satisfied with Twitter and we built Gentleman. Yeah. We said 2012, this is it. We're done with Twitter. <laughs> it's t- it's all or nothing. Yeah. We're putting our chips in. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, uh, so point is, uh, join Gentleman. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, that means it's time for the final segment of the Gentleman podcast, and that is the questions from the Gentleman mailbag. And this week, Glenn, it's almost Halloween. It's right around the corner. I'm feeling it. Oh, uh, I want to know what your top five fall slash Halloween slash, you know, this time of year things. What I do are. every year this time of year. Yeah. Your, what are your traditions? What are your your go tos for this time of year? Brian. First and foremost, I love fire. All right. Yeah, that's a good bonfire. Good start. Fireplaces. Okay, yeah. Okay, I love grilling. You can do it in the summer, mm. but there's just something special about cold air and fire and right. the warmth from it that you oh, I just love it I, there, it can be 7 o'clock at night and I could sit in front of a fire on like a chilly evening yeah and I could fall asleep right. like it's just I think I'm I think humanity is hardwired that way mm. mm-hmm. uh, number two obviously Halloween movies right I love Halloween movies but not like the weird creepy scary ones so I like about five percent of Halloween movies. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like I like uh, uh, I like Hitchcock movies basically. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, that's, that's good. Could be worse. Yeah, I like the fact, Brian. Number three, I like the fact that the nights are cold, but the days are still warm. So mm-hmm. it's like this huge temperature shift. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I, I like that it can be freezing and then get up to seventy during the day. Right. Um, and then stout beers. I can start drinking stout beers and feel right. good about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't feel good about it, but I'll feel better about it. In the short term, you'll feel good about it. I'll feel real good about it in the short term. <laughs> and football season. It's in full swing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's underway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Saturday night football, college right. football, Sunday football. It's, right. it's all there. So right. those are my top five. It's a solid list. It's a <laughs> solid list. Me. The uh, Goose Island is going down a little too smooth. It's getting all loosey-goosey on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good list. Huh. Huh. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about fires, but yeah, I haven't I haven't started up my fireplace yet. Mm. Uh, it will be in service in November, I assure you. Um, mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through my top five here. Um, uh, number five, I'm going to start with the bottom of the top. Letterman number, style. Number five, uh, reading a scary book. Laura and I, uh, most of the time, Around October, we'll pick a book and we will both read uh, the scary book. The same scary book. Same scary book. Interesting. And we'll discuss it. And um, <laughs> this my, was scary because no, uh, oh, okay. we, we we actually pick pretty you know pretty interesting books. Um, I think my favorite that we've done is the picture of Dorian Gray, which if you haven't oh. read that is is really good. Wait the um, the gray uh, the picture of Dorian Gray is a Fifty Shades of Gray guy. No. Oh, okay. Picture of Dorian Gray is actually a classic novel uh, written by Oscar Wilde. Uh, ah, okay. Back in like a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, but it's that's probably my favorite one that we've written uh, or that we've read. Uh, and this year we've picked uh, for those that are following along in my um, gentleman uh, horror book club, uh, we picked uh, <laughs> the girl next door, Ooh. which is uh, written by I believe John Ooh. Ketchum, John Ketchum something. Uh, Jack Ketchum, maybe that's the right word. John Lithgow. Uh, and we we are about halfway through that, so um, we're working on that one. Uh, but anyway, we always pick a scary book and we read it together, and we get um, 
get to talk about it. And uh, there's something enjoyable about reading a uh, a horror book as opposed to watching a movie or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. It's, 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 it's like more of an intellectual kind of, or not intellectual. It's more of a kind of like let your mind create the horror uh, kind of thing. So anyway, that's number one. That's number five. Sorry. Actually, yes. number five uh, is the, the uh, reading a scary book. Uh, number four, scary movies. I, I put a great amount of effort into compiling every year a list of scary movies to watch. Some of them are classics that I watch every year, such as The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Uh, Vertigo. Right. Etc. cetera. Uh, but mostly I try to find new ones to watch. And this year I found that there is a great streaming service called Shudder. Is which, it got like a... Is it spelled normally or is it spelled... Yeah, it's spelled normally. Shudder. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's actually owned by AMC. But mm. it's, it's like Netflix except it's horror movies exclusively. <laughs> all the different categories of horror movies. They have podcasts. They have all this stuff. Wow. Uh, it's very uh, horror movie centric kind of thing. Uh, five bucks a month. And so I'm pretty into that. I've been really enjoying that. And it's like that's kind of been my exclusive like outlet. They have a lot of the classics. They have a lot of weird stuff. They have a lot of you know different categories and everything. So anyway, Shudder is a really cool uh, thing to check out if you guys have a chance. Um, number three, and this is not Halloween related, but it is fall related, mm. is Winfield. Uh, I was going yes. to uh, the Walnut Valley Bluegrass Festival, yes, which I do, try to do every year. Uh, this year I went uh, down there in September. I had a great time visiting with my buddy Woods. Um, that's a huge part of my fall thing that I do. Number two, and you're going to appreciate this, Glenn, mm. is the Maple Leaf Festival. Really? It gets up there. The first time I went there. Really? First time I went there is last year. Maple Leaf Festival. I really no, enjoyed no, it. No, 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 no. That's false. No, no. It's true. It's That's true. false. That's number two on my list. You have been to the Maple Leaf Festival in twice. 2010. That's true. That's right. Twice. That's I actually right. got a thing on my phone that said, in yeah. 2010, this yeah. is what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you're right. I forgot about that. We did go to the parade. I remember that. Right. And then, yeah. So, uh, Maple Leaf Festival. My hometown. In, Lovely Baldwin, in Baldwin, Kansas. Kansas. Uh, it's a nice little festival. It's about an hour away. Population 200? No, it's like 30 minutes away. Something yeah, 30 like minutes away. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like a very it's like a small town, you know, very autumn kind of festival. Mm-hmm. They have like craft booths and mm-hmm. food and devil worshiping, devil worshiping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole thing, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. gamut. Petting zoo. Uh, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. And number one is always my Halloween party. Yes, yes. So uh, that that's that's my like number one thing that I normally do. This year it's not going to happen because I've had too many people. Bow out of the party. If you're listening right now, wait. Oh, wait. I'm one of them. Yeah. Oh. So I blame Glenn, but I have a good excuse. Sometimes you try to throw a party, and it just you know there's just too many that's people true. that can't make it, and you just have to call it. And that's what happened this year. So that's bummer. But the good thing is that I will look forward to next year, uh, where I will put everybody through a horrific gauntlet of horror if they don't come to my party you will literally I, haunt gonna, them i will track them down <laughs> and you know where they all live our own horror movie for each of them if they don't come to my, so my party right yeah, yeah exactly right <laughs> drip, drip. brian's <laughs> yeah so anyway uh i'm gonna find a way to do that but anyway that, so that's the point the whole thing yeah uh the halloween party is always my my mm. apex but my thing, I'm gonna have to wait till next year because I just had too many friends that had too many things going on, so I can't do it. So it's gonna be me and Laura holding down the fort, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Every year, my wife Lynn asks me 
like right around the first part of September. When is the Halloween party? Right. Like, I don't know. Right. Probably near Halloween. Right. But she, it's 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 on the list. Yeah. Well, next year we'll 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 get it squared away. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get out invites early next year to try to mitigate this uh, waffling of my friends. So um, look, I know it's Fourth of July weekend, but uh, right. I really need to. You're right. in or you're out right now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Commit or get out of my life. Uh, so anyway, uh, so okay. Well, that's that's good. We established uh, the the best five things for each of us about fall slash Halloween. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, Glenn. Well, that's um, pretty much it for episode one twenty. That is a good episode, Brian. I feel yeah. like I- I'm excited for you to get. I'm looking at your fireplace right now. I'm really yeah. excited for you to fire that thing up. Yeah, it'll be. Do good. you have enough firewood? Are you yeah, good? With Are you tree, set? With the tree coming down in the back. So you say tree is a singular. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tree of life uh, that's coming down in the back. Have you seen Avatar? Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. Right, uh, but yeah, we will have we will have plenty of fireworks. That would be great. Uh, Doctor McKivnack, do you have anything to add? Uh, happy Halloween, everyone! Uh, thanks Gosh. for uh, thanks for letting me uh, sit in on the uh, gentleman podcast. I forgot he was there the whole time. Yeah, uh, no problem, Doctor. Uh, we'll you know, I'm sure we'll hear from you next Halloween. Mm. Um, okay, Glenn. Well. Uh, for Dr. McKivnack, um, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Stansbury. Uh, thanks for listening to episode number 124. We will see you guys for episode number 125 in three weeks. Yes, we have a delay. Adios. Adios. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween.